This podcast is not meant to be professional advice of any kind. It's meant to be informative and entertaining. If you make any changes to your life, see the appropriate professional before you do so. Welcome to Super Age. My name is David Stewart. I am the founder of Ageist and your host on the Super Age show. We talk about how to live healthier, how to live longer, and how to be happier. And who doesn't want that? Today's show is brought to you by Inside Tracker, the dashboard to your inner health. Go to insidetracker.com slash ages, save 20% on all their products. This show is also brought to you by Element, L-M-N-T, my favorite electrolyte mix. It's what I put in my water in the morning, and it's what I put in my water at the gym. Go to drinkelement.com slash ages and receive a free eight-serving sample pack with any purchase. Today's show is also brought to you by SRW, Aging is Inevitable. But how we age is chiefly a matter of our choices. If you go to srw.co, you can save 20% on all their products by using the code AGEST20 at checkout. Welcome to the Super Age Podcast. It is great to have you with us. This is episode 135, and we'll be dropping this on May the 24th, 2023. We are back in the mountains of Utah, where it is absolutely beautiful, sunny days, Green grass, snow in the mountains. It's, you know, a vision of Heidi. What can I say? Last week, we were in a very different place. We were staying in downtown Brooklyn and doing appointments in New York. New York, by that I mean Manhattan. And it was was wonderful. Um, You know, I lived in that city for about 25 years, and I've seen it change a lot over the years. It's you know, sort of the street grid seems the same. The buildings, you know, there are more of them. Um, the subway, uh, which I happen to think is just an incredible, incredible thing. Um, these were all wonderful. And what I really noticed was the city's got its mojo back. You know, it's it, there was just so much energy in the street and people were optimistic There was a part of town that I had never been to before, or maybe once very fleetingly, because it used to be really dicey, and it's called Dime Square with a a D, not to be confused with Times Square with a T. And it's uh, so Dime Square is uh, sort of like the far eastern part of what used to be Chinatown. You take Canal Street almost over to the river, and they've blocked off some of the streets there. And I don't know what to, how to describe it exactly. It was like a street party. It was like a block party, except it's like that pretty much every night. We went there to have dinner, and they blocked off some of the streets there. There's um, some like lovely new hotels, old buildings they've rehabbed, and tons of restaurants and bars. And outside of them, there, you know, there's all this sort of outdoor dining that was created during COVID, which wasn't there before, which caused this. It, this like incredibly vibrant street culture. And I just love that. It was, I don't know, so nice to see young-ish people um, behaving the way young-ish people do. It, it, it was just great. I mean, there was, I don't know, 500, 1,000 people. It was just, it was like, I couldn't believe, it. I thought, is this a special event? Like, is this, but no, it was always like that. So, uh, you know, New York, there's a lot of, you, you read a lot of stuff in the news against all these big cities. You know, there's like terrible things going on. But, you know, that's what the news does is they try and scare you. And 
I I personally think um, New York is an incredible place. We had some great meetings. I actually met with Matt Youssef Sada, um, one of the world's foremost senolytic researchers, who we had on the program here a few weeks back. And Matt and I had soupy dumplings in Chinatown, <laughs> which was pretty fun. And Matt gave me all the sort of inside scoop on what's going on with researchers in the field of longevity and specifically senolytics, which was super interesting. And I think one of the things that I just want to mention is the Surgeon General, who seems like a pretty amazing guy, um, very, very impressive individual. And he came out with a report a few weeks ago, really his sort of mission as Surgeon General, I think his mission in life is about loneliness. And I, I think today he came out with a thing about how harmful social media is for young people. And I could make a case that social media is not so great for any people, but whatever, we're stuck with it. Uh, but back to loneliness, and I actually think the loneliness and the social media are very much connected. The thing that struck me when I was in New York, and I'm not saying that you know, a lot of people out in places, you know, being festive are not lonely. They they may be. I don't know. But I didn't feel that way. And I think that this thing of loneliness is just, it causes so many problems. There's so much dysfunction is caused when people feel lonely. And I think when people feel lonely, there's a lack of self-worth. People don't tend not to take as good care of themselves. And in fact, I believe in the Surgeon General's report, loneliness, I'm not quite sure how they measure it, but whatever their metric is on loneliness, is about as bad for your health as smoking two packs of cigarettes a day. And as I'm thinking about this, it you know how it takes like, it takes like two to tango. So it, it, it's like, what I mean by that is we all have a certain responsibility with this. I don't feel particularly lonely today. Uh, you know, I have a sort of job here where it keeps me engaged with people all the time. But there are other people that perhaps I come in contact with, that perhaps each one of us come in contact with, that are lonely. And I think that this really... So what's the solution? I mean, there are programs out there and we can, you know, have arranged for people to meet and get together. But my sense is that when people are lonely, it becomes very difficult for them to reach out and, you know, connect with other people because they're having trouble doing it and maybe they don't, they, they lose confidence around other people or they're, they're, they get angry or hard to say. But I think that we can all make an effort in this direction. And what I mean by that is you know, if everybody who's listening to this podcast today, if you're out there, you're at the you're at the market buying groceries, you're at the post office, wherever you go, you just make it a point to say hi to people. Hi, how you doing? Good to see you today. Was it busy today? How do you like the weather? What's going on? Love your shoes. Whatever it takes. This has a ripple through effect. Um, you may be alleviating to some small degree someone's sense of loneliness and they may feel slightly more confident and reach out to other people. And I think that we spend far too much time in our own cocoons scared about reaching out to other people, scared about what they might think of us or how they might react. You know, they ain't going to hurt us. <laughs> I've never had anybody 
you know, get aggressive with me when I say like, hey, how you doing? You having a good day? What's going on? So that's my thought for the day. I think that everyone who's listening to this podcast, if we can just make a small effort to reach out to the people who are out there who maybe we don't know, and we can touch their lives in a positive way, that'd be a good thing. Today's show is brought to you by SRW Laboratories out of New Zealand. Their vision is to extend human health span. SRW Labs curates the very latest in science and research to formulate premium nutraceuticals that support your cellular health, especially as you age. Working with their scientific advisory board, they seek to understand and address the causes of aging at a cellular level, providing support across 12 bodily systems with an approach that is unique to SRW. They know that doing one thing well, such as eating healthily, won't have the desired effect on your health. This is why SRW seeks to educate people on the factors that influence aging and, more importantly, biological age. Use the code AGEST20 at checkout and save 20% off any order. Go to srw.co.co, not .com. Use the code AGEST20 at checkout, save 20% on all their products. Today's show is also brought to you by Inside Tracker, created by the experts from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. Inside Tracker uses the power of your body's biometric data to reveal to you what you need to live longer, healthier, and happier. I've been using Inside Tracker for a few years now, and it is the dashboard to my inner health. It's a critical part of my health and wellness routine. And since May is Women's Health Month, Inside Tracker is unveiling an upgraded ultimate plan that includes three new hormone markers that are critical to measure during a women's reproductive and menopausal years. For a limited time, our listeners can get up to 20% off Inside Tracker's new ultimate plan, complete with estradiol, progesterone, and TSH. With Inside Tracker, discovering what your body needs is no longer a guessing game. Visit insidetracker.com slash ageist, save 20%, and we'll leave that link in the show notes. Today on the podcast, we have a real treat. This is some, someone that I've wanted to have on for a while, and I'm so glad that he agreed to come on. We have Clayton Crawley on, and Clayton Crawley is ordained in the Episcopal Church. And I really wanted to talk to someone with a religious point of view, how they felt about some of the things we talk about here. How do they feel about increasing lifespan, health span? Uh, you know, so much what we talk about here, we talk about it from, you know, almost like a bioengineering point of view. And I wanted to hear, what's the spiritual take on this? What's the religious take on this? It's a wonderful conversation, and I'm really glad that you're going to be part of this. Um, if anybody has questions, comments, and stirs up stuff for people, please reach out to us. We want to hear from you. I'll leave this at the end of the show, but I'll give it to you right now. David at superage.com. I answer all my email promptly and personally. So if you want to hit me up, that's how you do it. And just after my conversation with Clayton, we're going to do Just Try This, which is that little sort of fortune cookie that we do every week, which may help you have a healthier, happier, more joyful week. So that comes up just after my conversation with Clayton, but let's get Clayton a call right now. So we're here today with Clayton Crawley, who is an Episcopal priest 
and the Episcopal Church is part of the Worldwide Anglican Communion. Hi, How David. Doing? How are you today? Very good. Very good. Glad to I'm be so, here. I'm so happy we got that intro done. That was like the hardest thing I'm going to do all day is <laughs> that this lingo is so not part of my world. But um, I'm really happy to have you here because we talk a lot about um, living longer, living healthier, and, you know, like a lot of sort of like science stuff or occasionally financial stuff. Um, it, it, but I think that sort of your world is very much part of this Venn diagram of living longer, living better. And I'm really, really uh, pleased to have you here to to speak about these things today. So, you know, one of the first things I want to talk about is, you know, some people who are perhaps not in your world think of you know, the church and religion is very sort of guilt oriented. And yeah. um, I, I, please talk to me about like guilt and joy. How do those Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, uh, setting, a, setting a frame for uh, the Episcopal Church. And so we are a, a, a product of the Reformation. Um, so the Reformation was about uh, taking... Um, religion and, and spirituality from a, an institutional church down to uh, an individual level. The Episcopal Church chose to kind of do a middle path. So we have all of the institution stuff, and we also believe in that personal relationship with God. So that, um, that living better and joy, um, I believe, is it, it becomes a part of the warp and weft of who we are um, as Anglicans. And that middle way is um, we call we talk about scripture, reason, and tradition. Those are the three kind of legs of the stool um, that we all need uh, in order to understand what it is about our lives that is consonant with how God wants us to live. So if you take out scripture, the good thing about a three-legged stool is you pull one of the legs, you fall over. Um, less joyful than being able to just sit there. Um, and so we believe that we need to have the scriptures and we can learn things from those. Um, we, are, we have reason. We're given our brains by God for a reason to understand what to comprehend the world around us, to comprehend our relationships with each other. And I would argue that part of that comprehension is we're, we're built to be uh, joyful. We're built to thrive. We're built to enjoy. Um, and so you have scripture, you have reason, and then you have tradition. So that's where you get tangled up in all of the, you know, worldwide Anglican communion stuff. So we, we have a sense of history that um, is, that I believe is part of that arc towards justice. Um, and so that's why we have, we keep the traditions when we get it wrong, we can look back and say, well, that wasn't the right thing. Let's move a little. Let's keep keep the trajectory going to, in a positive way. And so that's, I think, how tradition informs the Anglicans. It's not something, oh, we've always done it that way. It's we did it that way, and we could probably make it better. Okay, that's great. Thank you for that. Um, I, I mean, <laughs> I guess mostly here we deal with the uh, the leg of the stool that is re reason. Reason, yes. 
So we're um, sort of big on that, but um, yep. I, I, I want to hear what I want to, there's so much that I want to learn from you. <laughs> um, so you were just in Milan at yes. a big international furniture fair. And so, you know, that world is very much about beauty and yes. how, how does this fit into your view of the world? Well, you know, and that, that, the seminal, the seminal conversation was one about um, we are here in a rarefied environment. And first of all, we're in Milan, uh, which great city. And then we are looking at design, a global design event that is about how you live well. How do you appreciate the built environment? Um, and the built environment not being a static thing being a very alive thing. Um, so I think where that conversation uh, was was headed was, well, how is it that we can enjoy this with the um, with all the suffering and all the pain that is that is in the world? Does that mean that we shouldn't do this, that we shouldn't participate in things that bring us joy and things that are beautiful? Um, because we should um, we should all, there should be an egalitarian nature to design. And that conversation, moral theology, uh, started um, a long dinner conversation about, well, does God want us to be happy? And so I'll use God language because I'm a Christian. Um, does God want us to be happy? Or should God want us to suffer because other people are suffering? And the nature of the nature of joy, the nature of being happy came into the conversation. And so this is the 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 challenge was, do we then I, I think the problem is the that choice was put before uh, a, a priest sitting at the dinner table of should we be should we suffer or should we be happy? What does God want us to do? Because people are suffering, and we're here in Milan. Well, being a good Anglican, I always flip the question around, and you know, what do you uh, what do you think we should be doing? And uh, actually, this person, you know, it's very much in the design industry. So this is this is beauty. This is what we're called, this is what we're called to do. And I said, well, I believe that you're really asking a question of what does God want us to do with our lives? And my answer to that is to be joyful, to use, you know, to use your word, is is that highest calling. And the part of being a joyful person is to understand that being selfish is actually a path to misery. So I think that you can enjoy the best things in life, but it's when you take that uh, enjoyment and hold it tightly, um, you are committing what I think in Christianity we would call a sin. You're being selfish. It is not, um, we are not called to be miserable by God. We're called to enjoy this creation. 
and it's there's more abundance than we know what to do with. And so people would go, oh, well, you know, you 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 can't enjoy anything because there's suffering in the world. I think the suffering in the world is not the created norm. The created norm is to understand, to be fulfilled, to have a sense of purpose, to enjoy life. I think that's what God creates us to do. Um, and, you know, in the, in the work that you do is like, how are you, um, how, how do you have that, you have that understanding, leaning on that reason? How do we make our lives better and, and longer? Um, but I would, I would posit I'm less about the, the longevity than the quality. Um, and, you know, it's, it is, and I think that religion often says, oh, you gotta, you gotta suffer in order to be close to God. And I, I just look around the, I'm you know, looking across the Hudson Valley now. I, I don't, that doesn't call out to me to suffer that, that view of the Catskills that calls out to me to be thankful that I'm here and can participate in this, in this created order. Remember that I think it was Bobby McFerrin had a song called "Don't Worry, Be Happy." Don't worry, be happy. <laughs> yes. Is that is is that what we're talking about here? Well, I so here's what I would say. I would say "Be Happy" uh, is definitely right consonant, and I think the "Don't Worry" um, and you know we we talked about we talked about this a little earlier in our previous conversation. So. Don't worry could be seen as abdicating responsibility for being a human creature. Um, so I don't know if it's don't worry. Um, I think it is. Um, uh, I believe it would be more like have uh, have purpose, uh, be happy. And so what that means is that you're connected to other people. Um, and in, in Christianity, one of the ways that we're connected to other people is through a thing called prayer. So I may actually, you know, pray for someone. Uh, my discipline is pray for a year when someone says something has happened well or something is, you know, they need some, you know, need some help they're sick or something and and so for a year i will keep that person in my daily prayers i may not talk to them how does that wait that year. so let's back that up how does that connection happen i'm i'm sort of i don't understand how prayer works ah okay so here's how prayer works okay david david i am about uh to retire and i'm thinking about that and you know you've got a mindset that is like, okay, well, I, I've kind of done this before, and and I hope that uh, Clayton's retirement goes well. And I want to put, the, I want to keep that connection and keep that um, keep that concern front of mind. So out of that comes what we would call a prayer practice. So I keep a list. Other people just are smart enough to keep it in their brain all the time, but I keep a list. And then in on the list would be Clayton is retiring. And then in your morning sit, you would go through the list and say, hey, Clayton's about to retire. Hope that that goes well for him. It went well for me. I hope it goes well for him. Um, okay. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's your prayer practice, David. But, so what but, you would call but, it is intention. Well, okay. <laughs> so, 
but uh, you, you gotta, you gotta, we gotta go a little further with this. Yeah. So, is this does prayer energetically, like you're saying, the person's not in the room, so you're not really yeah. connected to them. Is there some sort of energetic connection that's happening here? Well, I think um, I believe. Uh, as a Christian, that the energetic connection—I mean, you know, and when we uh, when we learn more about uh, the way that um, the the universe is stitched together—that that kind of we're um, uh, we're all bound to each other, even if we're not in the same physical environment. Um, I think that what prayer is is a is a really early manifestation of realizing that we are entangled. Now we would say quantum entanglement. Um, but we are all in relationship to each other, even if we're not looking at each other across a Zoom call or sitting in the same room. But that intention, call it prayer, that intention, that prayer allows us to not abdicate our responsibility each for the other, but allows us to have that clear, um, clear care for each other and allows us to be more joyful it it is in a way i yeah i have the i have a discipline of sitting for 20 minutes and then and then doing my daily prayers that's that's my thing um i get as much out of the sitting as i do for the prayer as much out of the prayer as i do for the sitting because the the sitting is me being centered getting ready the prayer is me realizing that the the center is is only fed because I interact with others, I care for others, I have others on you know, with intention in my life. I think there's that be happy piece. Mm-hmm. I I actually don't believe that someone could cut off all. Um, all interactions with with other human beings and and. What what does happiness look like with with you know, with with no interaction with another person? The the created order isn't about pull one really cool thing out and it lives by itself. Um, stasis isn't the way that the you know isn't the way the creation is built. So I I think this sort of goes to something we've had people on the show talk about. You know, you have uh, you have molecules that make up cells and cells that make up organs and organs that make up organ systems and organ systems that make up organisms and then mm-hmm. organisms interact with each other. And then you have this whole thing. And to remove just as you don't have a cell, that a cell cannot function on its yeah. own, either, either can an organ or, you know, any of this, if you pull something out. So this sort of leads me to this idea of. um usefulness and purpose yep so uh you know oftentimes you mentioned retirement and uh i i tell people like be useful (laughs) help other people yeah have people count on you so when you get up in the morning you know there are people counting on you to do something or other um and you've been alive long enough that you know that you're good at something or other and and do that in you know to help other people so talk to me a little bit about in in your world this idea of purpose what what is what is purpose 
So we, um, so I, I work for um, my church's uh, pension fund, which provides, um, and so purpose and retirement, very, very top of mind for my day-to-day work. I, I worked at a parish before coming here, um, but I've been at um, the pension fund for 24 years. So we are all about purpose. It, it is, you know, it's one of our core values of what, what is it to have, to have purpose, both for us as a company, for us as individuals, and for, uh, for our clergy and retirees. So I think that, um, again, I, 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 this is another thing that happens with, uh, that happens with clergy. They're going to circle back around to whatever they said before. Um, I think that the purpose is really that inter, that, that understanding of interrelationship. I believe that my daily prayers are, are, is one of those ways that I share purpose and have that interrelationship with, with other people. Um, the, the, in retirement, what does that look like? Most clergy um, will will continue to help the church, uh, even if they're not paid for it. Um, and that's a blessing and a curse. You never get rid of us. Um, but I think that what, what people um, will say is they'll say, oh, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not a religious person, which is the not, not organized religion, but I'm very spiritual. And when you start pulling that, what does that mean? What does the spiritual mean to you? You often get down to that, I need to be in relationship with others. And now I think this is very, very core. And it is, in fact, not all about me. Oh, thank God that you said that. This is is like... This is one of my big sort of issues with, um, you know, we deal a lot with um, wellness and, and, you know, how to optimize the human. And, you know, I tell people, this is not about you. Right. <laughs> yeah. You need to optimize so you can help others. Yes. It, but it's Absolutely. not just about this, like, how can I on my own do this thing? That's that's just going to get you into a closet um, and, and and it's a very dark place. You don't want to go there. It's about helping others. And now the, one of my other sort of um, things that I really like to rant about, um, and I feel like ranting this morning, is, uh, excellent. is the difference between passion and purpose. Yep. And this makes me, I see this, more people go down this rabbit hole and there is a whole cottage industry out there of like, oh, well, we're going to help you find your passion. There are books and there are courses and you can go to retreats and blah, 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 blah. And I just say, this is a bunch of like navel-gazing hooey. Um, stop it. <laughs> because passion is about you. And yeah. passion is really, and it's very changeable. How do you feel about something day to day? Oh, I'm going to look at my belly button and sort of figure that out. No, 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 no. It's, it's about figure purpose. Purpose leads to passion. Passion does not lead to purpose. If if you get up in the morning and you are useful and you are connected to other people, boom, you got passion. But if you try and do it the other way, that just doesn't work. And it's a, yeah. it's it's a it's it's a waste of time. And if there's one thing we don't have a lot of, it is time. Agreed. So, 
I, anyway. So I'm guessing, <laughs> I'm guessing this magnet is not on your refrigerator. It's this one of those phrases that drives me crazy. Follow your bliss. It's like, oh my really? God. Oh, that it's makes like, me insane. <laughs> that makes me absolutely insane. Who, who it's says a, that? It's the most oh my God. selfish. It's the most absolutely. selfish thing. But Absurd. you could turn it just a little bit and you could say, be blissful. Fine. That's you want to use that, you know, because yeah. that, that presupposes interactivity that presupposes a, Oh, I know what I'm about and I'm going to be this, you know, blissful person quote spreading this around. And I, I do, I find that kind of um, that, and I call it selfish. Um, Absolutely. uh, It's all about me, 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 me. And, And it's weird that people believe and again, because retirement's front of mind, people believe that they get there and then it can all be about me. Like, now, whoa, <laughs> if that's what you've worked your entire life to be, it's like that is you got somewhere you got on an off ramp that is yeah. not going to anywhere that's helpful. Um, no. I also think those are the people that wind up very, very miserable because yes. a, an enclosed system uh, is super static. Um, and it doesn't, it really doesn't lead anywhere. No. The, the navel gazing happens. So let me do that. Let me do one of these Christian things that, um, that you might've heard. You've seen the bumper sticker. Uh, what would Jesus do? Right. You've seen that on a, someone's bumper hmm. sticker before. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem with that. And in, uh, in Christianity, it's, it's a backwards looking statement that says all, everything that that is that we need to do has been fixed in the past and and it loops back around to um a past that is somehow um it, it's an icon of what how what we should do how about this what is jesus doing now again it is it is a forward looking statement and it doesn't and it doesn't say doesn't get you into this trap and i think this is uh religious selfishness it's that same nasal gazing that you're talking about it, it we we know that we know the perfection it's 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 stopped and and all we got to do is go back to that and then we can just we we can just make it all perfect and that's a, that's a closed system that is that is that's death quite frankly. Um, and so when, you know, when I tell people I'm a Christian, I think what gets, gets into their mind is, oh, you're, you're wrapped up in this, this system that is actually profoundly selfish and is, and is self-referential. There's that, remember the, the leg of stool, that's reason. Mm. That reason allows us to grow. It allows us to to move forward, it allows us to kind of lean into what it is that we're called to be as created beings, and that's enjoying abundance, living into that. Um, so I think that that's I, I think that you know you started the rant, and I just I, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, selfishness is is a real problem. Uh, for us, especially when we get to a certain age, when we think, okay, well, here I'm punching my ticket, and uh, I I do think that it there's a risk there um, to to be selfish in a in a Christian parlance, we would say yeah. uh, that's sinful. 
Yeah. I, I mean, this is one of the, uh, in the wellness world, um, mm-hmm. this is a, this sort of like selfishness, self-centeredness makes me yeah. crazy. Um, when I hear these, you know, college graduation speeches like, oh, you should go out and follow your bliss. That is such BS. No, you should absolutely not. That's insane. You want to go like make sand candles on the beach in Bali? No, your job is to figure out what it is that you're really good at and get better at it. So you can help more people. Help more people. And the same thing happens like people midlife and they're they're getting retirement. They're like, oh, well, like now it's my time. Um, You're just going to end up in a really dark place. The the thing is, you've been alive for enough years. You know something that you're good at. Um, Use that in the service of helping other people. You can make money doing it. You can you can give money away. You do whatever you want to do. But this idea, I mean, some people, some people actually can get a lot of mileage out of like you know, you know, like what is my follow my bliss, this happy thing. Okay, I mean. I see this time and time again, like people, oh, it's okay for like six months. I'm going to like, you know, play golf or I'm going to just like sit around. And then, and then one of two things happens. They hate golf. (laughs) Well, they they could hate golf or um, often what happens is they just die. Uh, That happens fairly often. Or they're just like, I can't stand this anymore. I got to like get out there and like do things and connect to people. And as you said, we are connected to others and you know, so much of our identity is our work. It's our, that camaraderie, that connection to others. And if you retire, you know, when you retire, you can often lose that. And it's, and it's very important to replace that with other senses of usefulness and connection to people. So I'm going to, I'm going to shut up on my rant. (laughs) Well, no. And, and I'll say, and I think, um, I think, uh, Jesus was right there with you on the rant, David. So it, uh, we have some words that are that show up in all three of uh, three of our four gospels, and it it, the, it goes like this: what what does it what does it profit a person if they save their life? If, in other words, if I get it all just perfectly mm. and they lose it, because mm. it that conservation that selfishness that oh i've got it i've got it all figured out now and it's mine right that that's what that's what jesus was talking about it's like you're going to save it you're going to get it just perfect but then you're losing it you you you've actually lost it but if you actually give it away you right. lose your life give it make you know become a generous person generosity is very important um if you give your life away you will actually save it now again, Jesus talking in those kind of koan uh, lang- that language where you have to you have to sit with the words for a bit. But I think that that's 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 that rant. You, you can be selfish and have all the money and all the health that you need, but you will die because that's not what it's about. Yeah. It is about giving oh, giving to others, being generous, being joyful. I the people that are the most joyful are the in in my experience, are those who have the most connections. You know, we're seeing all of this research now that what what keeps your brain healthy and what makes you happy long term is like having relationships with other people. Well, it's like blinding flash of the obvious, but um, but you know, hey, there's research now, so that proves it. Um, I want to circle to uh, longevity. Yes. So I recall, and I probably got this wrong, but there's something like. 
six score, which is like 120 years or something. 120 years. Like yep. 120 years. And so, you know, we're seeing a number of the people that I've talked to who are kind of clever about this sort of thing think that um, we're entering an age where people are going to be living healthy for longer. And then overall lifespan, you, you know, the, the fastest growing age group in the world is people over 100. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't, maybe somebody's lived to 120. It's a little unclear, but um, where, talk to me about, talk to me about like longevity and your world. How does that intersect? Sure. Well, so, so first let me do the, let me do the Bible thing. And so the, um, you know, we've got that, we've got that uh, scripture leg of the stool here. So when you, in that, you know, the, you're looking, talking about Genesis 6, 3, 6, chapter, third verse. Uh, in Genesis 5 and Genesis 6, you get this kind of litany of who lived, how long, and all of that. You know, Adam, the 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 first human, uh, according to Genesis, lived 930 years. Whoa! Yeah, his great-great-grandson lived wow. 365. The bar is very oh. high. <laughs> it, but now here's what's interesting. If you look at Adam, 930, great-great-grandson Enoch, 365, Methuselah, so, you know, as old as Methuselah, Methuselah lived 187 years. Um, and then in Genesis 6, 6 3, we, we hear, oh, well, this is the lifespan of a human, 120 years. This is how long they should live. Now, let's hold in mind that um, in, in the Psalms, later, uh, uh, you know, later on in the Bible, Psalms 90.10 says, uh, someone will live for 70 years, and if they're really good at it, they'll live for 80. So, you know, longevity is, is, a, you know, is, is, is a little, there's, there's lots going on there with you know, what, what's the right number. Um, and keep in mind, Jesus was, you know, between 30 and 33 uh, when when he uh, was killed. So one would kind of hope that you would, somewhere in all that mix, be able to land somewhere. So here's the thing that I'm going to talk to you, just give you one little note about Scripture. Um, don't proof text it. Because <laughs> you you got to use reason when you're reading Scripture. Um, and so, it, like I said, you could have just as easily landed on Adam for 930 years uh, as a normal <laughs> lifespan. So, uh, so here's what I think about longevity. It goes back to something we already we already talked about. Um, I I believe, um, and that that we are called to live well as long as we live. And if you look at if you look at um, this, uh, the kind of we have this tradition of going out into the into the wilderness or into the desert to to fast and to pray. Um, those uh, those sages lived very long lives. Um, and you know, if you you look at you know intermittent fasting and all the things that we're learning about, you know, we're learning about now, it, it was kind of their their lifestyle. They did not go out there uh, to live long. They went out there to find what is their purpose. And I think that's that was that was their that was their reason for going and living a, an ascetic life, a, a life of denial. Um, if you base that with, let's go with Archbishop uh, Desmond Tutu, um, a, a 
person known known to many from in South Africa, went through apartheid and then was the chief bishop in South Africa for many years, lived a very long life. Um, and what people remark on was um, he was always joyful. If you were ever in a room with him, the thing you remembered was he giggled. No, he did not laugh. He giggled. And to have someone with that kind of uh, uh, with that kind of history and that that uh, that you know all of this authority and his when you would be in the room with him, you could it's like who is that? And it turns out it's it's Tutu giggling about something. Um, he had this sense of joy, mm. and he he had that coming out of where. Uh, out of the um, the apartheid and ran, you know, was one of the major folks on the truth and reconciliation effort uh, in that country. Even with that heartache, he stayed connected to others. And his way of connection was was humor and uh, being grounded in uh, in his faith. So, what does that say about longevity? I really think that we are called to live as uh, as well as we can for as long as we live. And that that might sound like I'm punting on how long, how many years. Um, I think it's actually quantity, uh, quality over quantity. Um, and some people are just genetically blessed. They live a really long time and they seem to do everything wrong. You know, uh, uh, how did you live to be 103? You know, scotch and cigarettes. I, yeah, that, that, that works for some people. Um, I, I do believe that when we look at how long we should live, we should say we should actually look at quality of that life. Hopefully that makes some absolutely. sense. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, um, absolutely. So there's something else that uh, people tend to wrestle with or mm -hmm. um, have very strong feelings about, I should say. And that's this idea of what is the right level of maintenance. And so you you sort of have a spectrum here of, and we're talking, you know, there are different kinds of maintenance. There's uh, plastic, you know, plastic surgery. Um, there's, um, you're sort of a range of things. And, I'm, and I, I always pick on Donatella Versace. Donatella, I've never met you, but um, you're just sort of a figurehead for this. Um, Donatella is sort of on one end of that spectrum. Yep. And then there's the other end of, you know, like I'm wearing Invisalign because I'm tired of looking at my crooked teeth. And some people would say like, oh, orthodontry, you can't even do that. Like you're messing with God's design. And it, so you have this sort of like that. And some of the people who are saying like um, messing with God's design, they're they're fine with treating cancer or yeah. heart disease or things like that, but they're sort of less fine about the aesthetic um, things that some people do. Um, yeah. Help me, help me out here. <laughs> give you the give you the uh, the good liberal Christianity uh, point of view. God does really not spend a whole lot of time uh, worrying about whether David's teeth are straight. Uh, but you know what? It, 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 but God does spend time make it, you knowing that David's a happy person and is smiling and is comfortable with his smile. God actually likes that kind of stuff. It, it's the it's the whole um, uh, Christian thing about, you know, 
tab A goes into slot B, you know, with the whole sexuality stuff. God doesn't actually care nearly as much as we do about that. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's like, really? Uh, that's what God's spending God's time on. I don't think so. Um, but what what I what I do think is it's it's it goes again to that God does care that we are healthy. God does care that we are finding joy. God God cares about our wholeness as an individual. And you know if you're going to um, be focused on the on the care of your of your physical body. Hey, I, as Christians, God made that thing. So why wouldn't it be? You know, do you want to let your house run down, or do you want to repair the roof every now and then? I, so I think that um, the that that want that desire to be to be long lived, the desire to be um, aesthetically pleasing, both to self and to others. I think that's good. I think that that's great. I just don't think God spends a whole lot of time on that. Um, I think that religion spends a lot of time on that. Um, and depending on what someone's religious politics are, you can kind of guess what they're going to care about. Uh, you know, it's it's okay to treat cancer, but it's not okay to you know, you know, have a smooth forehead and do Botox every six months or something. I, I don't know how you make those judgment calls because last I checked, it wasn't in the scripture. Um, so, you know, thou shalt not do Botox more than once a year. I, I miss that verse. Um, so I actually think that, uh, that the, if the reason for self-care is so that you can better participate as a whole person in the created order, which is at once integrated Hey, that sounds like a that sounds like that's constant with a creator and a created being having a good relationship with each other. So, you know, go go for it with the Invisaligns, David. I I I lived in braces with headgear when I was a kid. So, you know, you're you're taking the you're taking the better path. Uh, there's no good thing for headgear on a bus. Uh, that, that's just that just has has to be beat up, actually. <laughs> It took me um, 64 years to figure out Invisalign. And it, it's, I got to say, I, um, you know, I have no relationship with the Invisalign company, but it's like magic. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, yeah. My husband's, my husband squares by it. So yeah, I, I, I would, I would have definitely preferred to do that. So it was 64 years well spent uh, to get to that place. Um, so, so hopefully, I, hopefully I, yeah. I yeah. Hopefully I answered that question because it's a it's a really it's a really good question because it, I think the question is more about um, this maintenance piece that that can, that can become all in all encompassing mm -hmm. um, and it the, the real nub of that question is should we care for ourselves. And the answer to that is yes. We're created by God. We're loved by God. We why would you not want to care for something that is as beautifully and wonderfully made as we are? So, ding, yes is the answer. But the but you always have to hold that intention with: is it to do good? 
is it to be you know more at ease so you can be more fruitful or is it selfish if it's selfish nope it's just going to lead to death um so i love the fact that that i'm picking up your phrase that it leads to death that sounds real <laughs> that that sounds like a priest if ever i heard one but that is selfishness will lead to death and so some people optimize themselves so that they can be better human beings in relation with others that's great some people optimize themselves so that they can become these little islands of you know self-absorption and it's like wow that is there's no good there unhappy place um Up. there's there's something that came to mind i just learned about this last week um that um we humans have these things called mirror neurons <laughs> and and the way it works is um it sort of desmond tutu comes to mind so um we know that uh, if we just smile like we just yeah. smile it sends this epigenetic signal to our cells that like everything's okay it reduces the stress and um we feel better just the act of like even if you don't can't think of anything to smile at, just smile and you're going to feel better and there's this sort of cascading epigenetic effect that happens this is very positive but what also happens is if you smile and someone else sees you smile um we have these these mirror neurons and so me smiling and you see me smiling affects you and because yeah. we're built to sort of imitate and um, pick on, on, you know, what's happening around us. And, and so this idea of uh, Desmond Tutu giggling, not only he's not only is he having a jolly good time, yeah. but <laughs> all the people around him feel better because of what he's doing. So again, we have this effect on oftentimes people they reach a certain age and they say, oh, I'm invisible. Nobody notices me. This is just hooey. Um, we absolutely observe everyone around us and it affects us. And we have an effect on all those around us. And so we can um, just by sort of, we can like change the vibe in the room by smiling or being grouchy or whatever. And it, I think it goes back to this idea of like not being an island cell out there. Like we are yeah. connected and um there's there's actual sort of like neuroscience about these mirror neurons that that those are really there that really works yeah it, it's it's very interesting it's like it's like the uh the the that mimetic desire you know so you're, if you're walking you're walking along someone and someone goes to goes to take something or notices something the, the human response is oh i want that too i i i'm i'm drawn to that because it's it's that mimicking Mm -hmm. uh, and so the same way that that mirror neutrons, that's that, that neurons that smile is mm -hmm. it's it's catching. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, th I think that that's um, I, I do think ha people want to be in rooms or in relationship with people who are who are joyful and who are happy. And, and, and likewise, when you sit with someone who is, who is sad and, and depressed or in crisis, you're, you're actually lightening that load because you're participating with them. You're not, you're not, I always think that there's, there's two kinds of people. Um, there's, if there's a disaster happening, there's the people who are going to run the other direction. <laughs> and then there's the people who are going to run towards it to see what they can do. Um, I, I think that that, that mimicking that 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 running to care 
um, and that being with you. I think all of that is of a piece. Um, and I, I think it's just participating in humanity as a great thing. It's, a, it's really a gift to be in relationship with other people. It is. And I, um, I, I feel like some people are you know, like, well, what should I, how can I be useful today? And at the lowest level, like, you know, when you go to the post office, smile at people, yeah. <laughs> you just, you just help them out, <laughs> Yeah, you know, or I, my, my favorite is if I'm in an elevator and, um, you know, people tend not to talk in the elevator and they get sort of, um, I'll just like pick who's ever there. And I just say, well, I really like your shoes. Um, and then, and it's just like, wow, you do. You noticed me like you like my shoes and 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 they feel better and then i feel better because i now i made a connection and it's it's not that hard it's not it's not that hard <laughs> i i we, we recently so i lived in new york city for 24 years and now i have a place two and a half hours north and and i've it, so in south georgia where i was raised and you're driving along and of course you have your your hand on the steering wheel um and to recognize your neighbor which uh -huh. you'll probably live five downs right you're driving along and you throw two fingers up on the wheel it's like this you're not going out of your way you're not right. you're doing you're waving your arms or anything you just throw up two fingers so <laughs> it's one of those things that's also very catching because up here i'm driving around and i'll see the neighbor and just you know i, I i've gotten back to those those things that yeah. i grew up with and so it is when you see the person in the store in three weeks, you already have that. You've, you've sustained that relationship and you'll say, oh, well, I saw you the other day. That was a crazy day, wasn't it? And, you know, it is it is that it's not hard, but it's easy to just ignore. Um, and I think that's where we are really um, the work is to find. And I'm going to pull your phrase David, the work is to find that purpose for the day. And that purpose may be go to the post office and, you know, compliment someone's shoes. Um, it may be going down to the, you know, to the library and helping someone learn how to use their computer, which is, you know, on my, on my list of things to, to be helpful with. Uh, so that's, I, I do think that we are, um, that we sometimes want grand gestures mm -hmm. as the as the baseline. The baseline for humans is breathing. I mean, that's you, 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 that's how we're we're just geared to do that. And so, when that interactivity with another human being, when that joy, when the smile becomes just an autonomic reaction when you're around people, wow. I mean that that shows that you're 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 engaged. You're moving ahead. You've got purpose in life. You are you're some ways taking responsibility for the fabric of humanity. And as small or as large as that can be. Not everybody's Desmond Tutu, but everyone can throw up a hand as they pass their neighbor um on the road. And I, I think that you know there's purpose big p and purpose small p and and i think that so much that you know i was reading that um since 1950 the average adult 
has um, their circle of close friends is half what it was in 1950. And I would, you know, probably guess that the fear index, um, you know, there's no more crime now than there was in 1950. It's the same. But because of like cable news and social media and all this other stuff, um, you know, we're, we're sort of bombarded with like, be scared, be very scared, like the enemies out there. And you see these, you know, like this nut the other day who shot five people in his front yard because they told him to like stop firing his gun. So that this is just like fear, um, fear of others. And it's to me, this is not dissimilar if we go back to the the biology paradigm of like the set, like a cancerous cell, right? That's like, it's just not living in harmony with others. And, 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 and this runs amok. And I, you know, and I think that where that stops is that you just smile at people and say, Hey, so like whoever you do that to, like, they're going to go home and maybe they'll like smile at their kid or smile at their spouse. And like, Oh, you know, and, and it, it, it works both ways. Like it's not all, I, I really, um, you know, the, we are sort of wired as humans with a negative bias, um, you know, because we pay attention to that because we want, it's a survival thing. Like, Oh, the tiger was there once. Don't go there. The tiger may be there again. We need to pay attention to the tiger, but there are very few tigers out there. Like that's just really isn't the thing. And all of this sort of nonsense um, that is out there in the world, it, it just isn't, you know, I, um, I've lived in like blue places, very, very blue places like my whole life. And now I live in a very red place. And um, guess what? They're all the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like nobody's mean to me here. Right. <laughs> they seem to like me. I smile at them. They smile at me. Everything's cool. <laughs> and I, it's, you know, I, I feel like, I don't, it's just another rant of mine. Like, well, I, I think we want to, I think we want to sort, I think we want to sort people. Um, and, and I do think that, um, we are called to try to break that negative bias and, and that, that complimenting someone's shoes thing that you do, that that's actually breaking that negative bias because you don't know, uh, you know, their voting history or their, you know, gun ownership position or anything. It's like, you're just, you're just, Being in relationship with them, and and I yeah, and I think that that's I think that that is key, and that's part of living well. Absolutely, that's part of that's part of being. Um, that's part of being who we are as humans, mm-hmm. and it, it, it's worth stating. I think it's obvious, but it's worth stating, and because we circled around this with our dinner conversation uh, maggie overheard it is does this does this mean that um we are we don't we don't need to have uh responsibility for taking care of those who are less fortunate it it it, it we're when you are integrated uh with other people when you are 
working and living and uh, and aware that you are not the center of the universe. Um, you do have responsibility for those who are less fortunate. You you do carry that with you. Um, it does not mean that you go to the bank every morning and take out hundred dollar bills to just pass out on the subway. That that that's that's not what that means. But um, I always think that the the first place to start on care for others is not being selfish. Yeah. That puts you in this mindset of how to live well. It puts you in the place of, oh, I am here in this abundant created place as a created being that seeks to that seeks to share that abundance. I mean, that's living well, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, the title of this podcast is Super Aging and um it's about living well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is super interesting, Clayton. Um, you know, I feel like And unlike probably any other of your conversations, so I'm so glad to have been a well, part of it. <laughs> it's it very much overlaps. I I think that that's um you know, you can talk about different things to like eat and ways to exercise. And and these are all like super important. It's about taking care of yourself. Because as you said, that's like, you know, the, the creator's idea is that you yeah. take care of yourself. Yeah. Um, but that's not the end point. <laughs> Agreed. There's a reason for this. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. And, and, it, and it is, it is natural to be aware that it's not the end point. It's, it is also, it's, it's just this thing that we call life is um, it does not, it doesn't just happen to us. We, we have ownership, we have agency. And so that's, and that's back to that purpose. Um, I, we, people who believe that they're, you know, following following their bliss i'm i'm sure that both you and i are going to get in trouble about about knocking that <laughs> phrase but people who are just following their bliss they're they're not they're not actually being fully human and it's it's actually sad mm-hmm. um that that's as much as they can comprehend so the the work uh isn't just handed to us we need to we need to participate um, it's, it's a great, it's a great job to have being a human being. I think that's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty full-time job, luckily. So, uh, there's, that's, that's kind of all encompassing. Absolutely. And yeah, I'm, I'm not going to hate mail about the bliss comment, but whatever. <laughs> I'll forward right. mine to you. You can yeah. do the same. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, Clayton, this has just been a delight. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that you agreed to be on and, um, you know, incorporating your expertise into all of what it means to live well and live healthier and live longer. Well, I, I'm so glad for the opportunity. And, and, and my, my hope is that, um, that your, your listeners, your regular listeners will have made it to this point um, and will, will, have, will say to themselves, huh, well, we're all in this together. It's not 
the religious people and the not religious people and the spiritual people and the not spiritual people that we have actually more in common. We have more in common as created beings in this universe than we do uncommon. So hopefully it's a it's a model for, hey, don't, you know, just just understand that um, be engaged. And uh, and and hopefully that uh, that's just the first step on a whole life. So thanks, David. Thank you so much. It's been a joy having you here. Thank you. Cheers. Take care. Bye bye. That was wonderful. Clayton Crowley, very thoughtful guy. If, um, you know, this brings up anything for some people, I know some people have a, you know, a bit of a resistance and allergy towards religion, religion or religious people. You know, my feeling is look for the good in things. And I think that there's a lot of real good, um, in religion. I think it's pretty easy to find bad if you're looking for it wherever. So I don't know. If you want to continue that discussion, like I said earlier, davidsuperage.com, we'll have that discussion. Right now, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor, and then we're going to get to just try this. Today's show is also brought to you by Element, spelled L-M-N-T, my favorite electrolyte mix. One of the great findings that I learned last year was the importance of electrolytes in my water, especially sodium. Of course, if you have hypertension or you're pre-hypertensive, this is something you want to pay attention to. But for most of us, we're probably lacking electrolytes. And my favorite one is Element. And guess what? They just launched grapefruit. Um, So I'm actually drinking a Element grapefruit right now. Um, And it's awesome. If you want to check out Element, go to drinkelement.com, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T, Dot com, and you get a free eight-serving sample pack with any purchase. Um, check out the grapefruit. It's kind of awesome. This week on Just Try This, I have such an easy one for you guys. It's called standing. <laughs> and standing as opposed to sitting. And we know that sitting is really not so great for us. It's bad for our hips. It's bad for our back. It's bad for our hamstrings. Makes our feet sort of go to sleep. It's not great. So to whatever extent we can stand, that's a good thing. When I do phone calls now, and I know we don't do phone calls that much anymore. It's all about Zoom. But when we do do phone calls, I just stand and I kind of pace around in my office. If I'm doing a long Zoom call, what I'll do is I'll try and prop up the laptop so that I'm standing during the call. I feel more energized. My feet, my back, everything feels better. So this week, on just try this. See if you can get in another maybe 20 minutes, half hour, maybe an hour of standing. If, in fact, if you've got a tracker like an Apple Watch, it'll even track it for you. So this week on Just Try This, stand a little more. Thank you for joining us on the show today. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for your time. We know it's valuable and we're very happy that you decided to spend it with us today. If you like the show, please share it with friends because that's the only way we grow. If you can, you can always leave us a comment. You can leave us a rating wherever you listen to this show. Next week, we got another good one. You're going to really like what we got coming next week. Until then, everyone, have a wonderful week and see if you can get a little more standing into your days. Take care now. Bye now. Bye now.